You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General John McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast Mailbag Edition, as we do each and every week. The email, of course, is HOUMailbag at gmail.com. We pull some of your questions here and uh it can be about anything. Texans-related always works. NFL always works. And we've been hitting a lot of Astros lately as well. As we welcome you into this episode, my name is Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, how are we doing? Doing great, John. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it's good to be with you, as always, John. Um, I guess we'll start off this week. we got a couple Texans notes. We're really in that downtime right now for the Texans where everybody's on vacation, but a couple bits of news. And the first one, we'll just lead in with this one. This is just sad news uh, off the top. Ryan Mallett, the former Texans quarterback with the team in 2014 and 2015, started a handful of games, probably best known for um, for being in two different competitions to be the starting quarterback. And obviously he had his, his issues here as well. Uh, but seemed to kind of get things straightened out in his post-playing career. He was coaching at a high school in Arkansas, passed away. Uh, he passed away in a drowning incident off the coast of Florida earlier this week. What are your thoughts on Ryan Mallett, John? He started six games. The game I remember most, he helped them win at Cleveland through a touchdown pass to J.J. Watt. It was a great pass, a fade pass. Watt was covered, and he made a tremendous play. Alfred Blue, the running back, had the best game of his career, and they beat the Browns in Cleveland. Other than that, Ryan seemed to be a nice enough guy, but uh, he didn't make a like leave an indelible mark on the franchise. He went from here to uh, to uh, uh, Baltimore. Baltimore, and you know, shocking, he came from New England. They never took another place player from New England, and uh, he had a couple of moments, but that was it. Feel terrible for his family, his friends. 35 years old, such a tragedy. No details have come out about if he was swimming, if he got caught in an undertow, if he's trying to save anybody. And uh, but RIP to him and condolences to his fans, especially in Arkansas, yeah. where it was a really good quarterback. Yeah, he's a good quarterback. I mean, he's kind of a local hero there. I and mean, people forget about Ryan Mallett, John. He was. He was a golden child coming out of high school. He was a five-star recruit, spent a year at Michigan. He was supposed to be the next big thing at the University of Michigan and spent a year there and then transferred to Arkansas where under Bobby Petrino, he was really, really good. He got Heisman votes his last year at uh, 
at Arkansas. And I, you know, when I think of Ryan Mallett, obviously you think of the things when he was with the Texans, what ultimately did him in was just his, his tardiness. <laughs> you know, he, he, he was late to training camp after losing the job to Hoyer in training camp. And then he missed the flight to Miami after losing his job again to Hoyer during the season. Um, and then that, after that, the Texans let him go. He had his issues after his pro career was over as well. I, you know, just in doing some Googling on him, I know there was a DUI incident that he had at least one. Um, but it seems like he had kind of straightened things out. He was a head coach of a high school there just outside of Pine Bluff in Arkansas. And the school seemed to be really fond of him. And, and I would say, you know, the, the, uh, the teammates that I saw tweeting about him all seemed to like Ryan Mallet. So you're right. It's just, it's a sad story. It's a good warning too, is in this, in this period of the calendar where there's a lot of people going to beaches and things like that, if a six foot seven guy who used to play in the NFL can get pulled under by the, by the riptide, if that's indeed what it was, man, you got to be careful out there. We're not meant to be in the ocean, John. We're meant to be near the ocean, not in the ocean. We're meant to be in swimming pools. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We need water, but just not uh, let nature do its thing down there in the ocean. So yes, RIP, to uh, to former Texan quarterback Ryan Mallett. As far as other news with the Texans goes, John, we'll get to the mailbag questions here in just a little bit. Mailbag at gmail.com if you want to email us uh, for a future mailbag. Um, Stephen Nelson, I'm going to read to you, John, a caption on a picture of a vest. So Stephen Nelson's Instagram account, which, by the way, is private. You have to get approval to be one of his 88,000 followers. Um, but on his Instagram story... He, which which self-deletes after 24 hours, but he deleted it pretty quickly after somebody screen-capped this. He put a picture of a vest, the exact vest that we see Nick Casario wearing quite a bit, the light blue one that I've, I've only ever seen Casario wearing a light blue vest. And uh, he put a caption on it that says this, can't trust a MF that wear these for every day of the week, clown freak. So John... It sure does appear that Steven Nelson, in a contract year, having just hired David Mulligetta as his agent, is taking a poke at the uh, Texans GM here. What say you? Absolutely, he is. He skipped the offseason program, which is really stupid. You're a 30-year-old cornerback in the last year of your contract, ninth year, and you played well last year. That's not the way you go about trying to get a, like a one-year extension. And... Um, Obviously, it hasn't worked, and and it, I'm guessing he's trying to not talk his way out, but get out of Houston, hoping Casario will trade him. You don't delete it if you want Casario to trade you, and probably shouldn't say it, but they're not going to do anything that they think is a detriment to the team. I can't wait till he comes to training camp, and we get to ask him about it. Yeah, I asked Brandon Scott that today on Payne and Pendergast, John. Brandon's in for Seth this week. And I'm like, yeah, Brandon, you're at all the press conferences and the media scrums and things like that. Training camp's in four weeks. You think this thing dies down and, you know, that uh, it just turns into some noise that fades away? Brandon's like, no. <laughs> if I'm there, I'm going to ask Stephen Nelson about it as the first question. I'll request, I'll request him tomorrow. Yeah, that he, do it. And they may not make him available, although you're supposed to. If you don't talk, you get fined. And uh, But it's pretty stupid. And I guarantee you, David Mulligetta, didn't approve of that. Yeah. Just like when Deion, when Deshaun Watson put out his first tweet, basically calling Tony Busby an ambulance chaser, and that just lit the fuse for Busby to go on social media and say any woman 
who's had a problem with him, contact the Busby Law Firm. I'll guarantee you Mulligata didn't know he's going to do that, or he would have told him, don't do that. And Rusty Harden, who he eventually hired, would have told him, you damn sure don't do that. Yeah. And I'll guarantee you, Stephen Nelson did not tell David Mulligata, hey, dude, this is what I'm about to put out. Because yeah. Mulligata is a smart agent, not to mention a good one. I would say then probably Stephen Nelson. I, John, the fact that I went – I had to go find the post on Twitter. So I went to Google just to see if anybody had written an article about it or anything. Nothing. Nothing on Steven Nelson. I feel like Steven Nelson is probably, even though he deleted it, I feel like there's probably part of Steven Nelson that's like a little agitated that he's not relevant enough for anybody to pick up that story uh, and, and make something out of it. You know, it's a little like uh, season one of The Sopranos where Christopher was really angry that on the news they didn't mention his name on there when they were talking about everybody that might get indicted. He's like, what? mentioned Brendan Falone. He, he was, I brought him into this thing. And then when he actually got mentioned in the newspaper, John, you remember Christopher goes out and buys a whole stack of newspapers because <laughs> his name got mentioned in the article. I feel like Stephen Nelson is Christopher Moltisanti right now. Well, when we finished this, I'm going to, I had seen the blue vest yeah, and I just scrolled past it. It was several tweets. I didn't pay any attention, but now that I know what it was, I'm going to go back and I'm going to tweet about it and about Casario. And obviously yeah. He's trying to get his, trying to get out of town uh, when he because he's not getting the money he wants. Clown freak. Call the GM a clown freak. John. And he called him an MF. Yeah, he did. He did an MF and a clown freak. I think I'd rather just be called an MF than a clown freak. You know, like MF at least has a little bit of respect in there. Clown freak yeah. is just uh, one thing that Casario's not. He is a clown. Anything yeah. or a freak. You know, he may be an MFer. When it comes to contract negotiations, because right. he's the main guy and athletes and players and agents may get frustrated. But clown freak, uh, no. John, let me ask you a question Landry Locker posed yesterday on Twitter. Maybe he even posed this to you when you were on with them. He did. The uh, the Texans making the playoffs or the Astros winning the World Series, which would surprise you more at this point in the season? Obviously, the Texans making the playoffs. The Astros just made the World Series, I mean, made won the World Series. They've been in the championship game six years in a row. They can maybe get some injured players back. Some of their other players get hot. They get into the playoffs, and they got Fromber Valdez, Christian Javier, and Hunter Brown, and maybe the bullpen's worked out its issues. So I think that would be, would surprise me, but it wouldn't shock me. Texans making the playoffs – after three consecutive pathetic seasons, I would I would probably pass out. I'd be so shocked. Would it shock you then, John, if I were to tell you that if you take all the big sports books out there, BetMGM, Caesars, FanDuel, Bet you all the like the seven big ones out there, and you average the odds of the Astros winning the World Series and the odds of the Texans making the postseason, not winning the division, just making the postseason that the Astros winning the World Series is eight and a half to one, the Texans making the playoffs five and a half to one. Yeah, that would shock me. It sounds like people don't know anything about the Texans. Well, I just think it's there's probably one, it's really hard to win the World Series. I mean, that you know, they, like as a as a task, it's harder to win the World Series than make the postseason. Just it is, and it's and it's really hard to repeat as champion since it hadn't been done yeah. since the Yankees. Yep. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, the odds makers disagree with you. And John, by the way, John, the poll that Landry put up, most of the people agree with you. 
And I think it's for the reason you just brought up. We've seen this group of Astros win a World Series just several months ago. This group of Texans, I know the Texans have been to the playoffs, won playoff games a few times, whatever. This particular group of Texans may as well be the expansion team when it comes to saying, I, with my own eyes, I've seen them do such and such. There's nobody on the team anymore from when they were doing the, doing the good things other than Tunsil and one or two other guys. John Weeks has John Weeks been there for um, everything. Kaimi. Kaimi the, greatest, the greatest snapper in NFL history has been right. there for 2011 playoff and victory. He's the only one. What's your um, – you and I are recording this just uh, several hours removed from Framber Valdez's worst outing of the season with Christian Javier's outing coming up tonight, coming off of his worst outing in a long, long time. Those are your two hammers. What's your uh, what's your anxiety level right now, John, about the Astros as we head towards – got a lot of anxiety, yeah. a lot. You know, they're losing the Cardinals. Cardinals are one of the biggest – disappointments in the league. They blew a 2-0 lead. They're blowing a lot of leads, and that's not good. Romber walked too many, gave up too many hits. He's supposed to be dominant. He's not going to be dominant every game. They can muster only two runs, which is pathetic, and uh, and hopefully they'll get Jordan Alvarez back sooner rather than later, I'm guessing, after the All-Star break. Maybe he and Jose Kitty comes back, gets in the lineup, That'd give them five pitchers because J.P. France has pitched better than anybody anticipated or could have hoped for. Yeah, he's been and solid enough. He has been solid at the end of the rotation, but they're not hitting. I saw a stat that when they score four more runs, they're almost unbeatable. Yeah. But they're struggling to score four runs. It's crazy. It is, it's, uh, it, it's crazy just how bad this team has gotten offensively. And, I mean, you, you really get a feel, John, like – Baseball, oftentimes people look at it like, well, it's nine hitters and they're each sort of individuals and they do their thing. You you really get a feel for just the the bleed over effect that Jordan Alvarez has on every the ripple effect he has on everybody in that lineup. You know what I mean? Like he's he's worth like three and a half players in that lineup when you consider guy batting ahead of him, guy batting behind him himself, and then whatever ripple effect comes off of that little chunk of the lineup there, like he affects every that's not even a hypothesis anymore this season like that is fact he affects everything and he gets hurt too much can you imagine what his stats would be if he actually played a full season oh it'd be insane it'd be insane um big one coming up this weekend john against the rangers what would you take uh, this weekend against the rain what would you sign up for right now would you sign up for a split two two they could split with the rangers and arlington in a four-game series because the rangers are not playing that well no they're just they're begging the Astros or the Angels to get on a streak and and push them and put them up, push them out of first place. But neither of the other two can do it. You know, Shoyotani is just going crazy with his hitting right now and his pitching. But it doesn't do the Angels much good. Where the Astros, boy, if they had Alvarez as much as if Alvarez was as durable as Otani, no telling oh. what his stats would be. And it'd be worth how many more wins? Four or five? Easily. Well, they're five games out of first place. Yep, easily. Easy. Yeah, no, I feel like there's been a few games in this stretch where Jordan's been out. We're like, okay, well, this feels like a game where he would have hit a three-run homer at some point and they win four to two or whatever. You know, like it's – he's just had so many of those uh, over the last few years for sure. Uh, I feel – John, I feel like 
for you, like non-Houston athlete, if you could pick one to watch or pay to go see in person, like pay the ticket or to invest the three hours to sit and watch, I feel like Shohei Otani would be at the top of your list. Yeah, I've been at uh, two of his games here. First time he pitched here, I was there. Sitting with uh, Joe Sutton and getting it down down low, second row, watching him pitch the breaking balls. He he just you know he's one of a kind, and he's already done better as a pitcher than Babe Ruth ever did. Yeah. And we always think of Babe Ruth being the last great pitcher who was a great hitter, but he just didn't pitch all that much because he was such a prodigious home run hitter. But Otani, there's no anybody in baseball like him. I could watch. I can't imagine Angels don't sell out every game for a chance to watch him. I know, I know. He's so good. He's made Mike Trout an afterthought. <laughs> you don't even talk about Trout when you talk. I mean, we were talking about Trout the way we talk about Otani right now for so many years, and you don't even talk about Trout anymore. And uh, and man, they're on the same team. It's crazy. For now, uh, they're on the same team for at least a few more months. Till the Dodgers back up the Brinks truck for him, I guess. And he um, just move. He just go a little bit north, and he'll be right there. I get him out of the division, man. I like watching him too, but I can watch him on TV <laughs> playing for the Dodgers. I don't need to see him. I don't need to see him uh, schooling the Astros. Although the Astros have, have done okay, okay against him. Uh, yep. Uh, all right, John, you ready for some mailbag here? I'm ready. H o u mailbag at gmail.com if you want to send us. A question. We got a few good ones in here, so let's hit these. Uh, we'll start with ladies first. Sonia and Katie. Uh, I'm a proud Aggie, and I'm concerned about Kenyon Green. Are you guys concerned that Kenyon Green will be a bust? And if so, what's the biggest factor that concerns you? I don't. I've never seen a player you could a, a highly drafted player that you could write off after the first year, especially when he had injuries. Now. There have been guys that didn't play well as first-round picks, and they didn't play well later, and they were cut. And Kenyon Green, they put a lot of scouting into him. They watched him play multiple positions at A&M. He's supposed to be a good run blocker. And uh, they've made mistakes on picks before. But I asked me that. Sonia asked that question next year. Hopefully, yeah. when, he's, when training camp comes, they'll take it easy on him. And hopefully he'll be ready to go with the start of the season and he'll be a whole lot stronger than he was as a rookie. You think his body type changes at all, John, from last year to this year? It's really tough to, I would imagine, get the type of workouts in that he needed to get rid of some of that baby fat when you're nursing a knee injury the whole offseason. I'm guessing everything was done for waist up and uh, maybe the opposite knee, of course, but the opposite leg. But so much of what they get and blocking is uh, a base and the base yeah. comes from strong upper strong lower body with a big powerful butt and big thighs and so i'm doubting he could work on that a lot when he's rehabbing a knee injury all right that's it man you come to this pot come to this podcast for the analysis stay for Kenyon green's butt that's what we do on this podcast here uh john burnett emails in john how are the running backs behind pierce and singletary looking Who's the front runner for the number three spot on this team? I'm guessing it's going to be Dari Gumbawali because he's a veteran and he's a really good special teams player. You know, they didn't draft a running back. The kid, uh, uh, what's I can't remember his name, free undrafted free agent. Yeah, he's got a long he, name. I forget it too. He, he'd probably be on the practice squad. He's got an X in his name. That's where I start yes. getting confused. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's going to be Dari Gumbawali. What about Mike Boone they signed from Denver? And maybe Mike Boone, what's he ever done? 
at least, and Agumbawali is known by Danny Barrett, yeah. the longtime running back coach. And Boone, I thought, was more like a fullback. And uh, San Francisco always had a fullback, has a fullback, utilized a fullback. He's got to be able to catch. So I'm guessing Bobby Sloat, the new coordinator, came with D'Amico Ryans. He's going to have a fullback, and maybe that'll be Boone. Derwin in Cyprus, loyal listener of the podcast, said, man, all this talk about Mills uh, competing for the starting job, surely he isn't better than Case Keenum. I get a lot of people asking me that, John. Like, it's it's Mills versus Watson. Um, is there any chance, like, if Stroud's not ready, the Case would be the one starting week one in Baltimore? Because all the talk has been Mills versus Stroud. Is Case just – is he automatically the emergency quarterback here? What's the dynamic right now with the quarterback? I don't know about that. I'd rather have Case as the second quarterback than Mills just because his experience case has been with so many teams. He's made some big plays like the Minnesota miracle. And I would think that uh, they'd want his experience behind the shot. I mean, uh, CJ Stroud. So I'm not even thinking that, that uh, Davis Mills is going to start. I'm writing a column for sports radio, 610.com about Stroud going into training camp and what will happen. And, I got all the D'Amico quotes where he talks about the battle and it'll work itself out. It's amazing how he'll praise the heck out of any other rookie, but he won't do it for Stroud. Yeah. And I think it's the nature of the position. They're trying to be respectful for Mills. They don't really no reason to, but I can't wait to see who's going to be the emergency quarterback. Maybe they're paying case and they told him, Hey, you might be the emergency quarterback. Maybe they'll trade Davis Mills. If a, team has an injury and they could get a six round pick for him because he had some really good games against some teams. And so maybe those teams that he had a good game against might need somebody. And then people go, Oh my God, but look what happened to the 49ers in the playoffs last year. Okay. Give me another example. Yeah. Of all the teams and all the quarterbacks who've been in the playoffs, if you can come up with one example, then they should trade him. But, D'Amico was there. Slowick was there. They may decide we're definitely keeping three. My hypothesis with Case Keenum, John, mark this bit of video and audio, is that, and maybe part of the reason why he just seems completely cool with whatever his role is right now, I think this is an apprenticeship to eventually be not just a coach, but be a coach on this staff. I think there's a chance that Case is looking at this possibly as if, they, if things go the right way here, is that Bobby Slowick becomes one of those guys off of the Shanahan, now Ryan's tree, McDaniel and all those other guys, LaFleur, that he's the next guy who gets some run for a head coach. That would bump Gerard Johnson up to OC potentially, and then Case slides in as a QB coach. Um, and maybe he plays here a year or two and lets that play out or a year, and then he's a quality control guy or whatever. He's a assistant quarterbacks coach or something. Who knows? And maybe some – he's played on enough teams where there's probably several people across the league with a favorable opinion of Case Keenum to where they'd want him on their coaching staff. But this feels like – his role on this team feels just as much, John, to me as a coaching apprenticeship as it does him being a quarterback for this team. I agree 100%. All right, next question. This is from uh, J.R. Cortez. Guys, love the podcast. In my opinion, the Astros just look tired this season. Since 2017, I think the core – has played an additional 75 games in the playoffs. I think the Astros should coast the remainder of the season, let the younger guys get the experience, 
even if they make the playoffs, they're not serious contenders this year. They should cut bait with Dusty, Uncle Mike, and McCullers at the end of the year, come back healthy and rested, and got to get the eye of the Tiger back. John, thoughts on the Astros punting on the season this year? JR, you would have said that about the Phillies last year. They wouldn't have made the playoffs if they hadn't extended them. And look what happened to them. They went to the the World Series. And uh, uh, there was a team in the American League, I can't remember which one it was, that made it and uh and and won series maybe it was the padres and um so no if you've got a if you've got good pitching at the top of your rotation you got a chance in the playoffs especially if you got at least three and so no the astros should not give up because what happened to the phillies last year could happen to them or they could get hot the rangers haven't been invincible by a long shot they hit better than the astros they score more runs than the Astros. You know, you got to have Tucker and Bregman and Pena. Those guys got to hit better, and they got to be more consistent. They can't be leaving guys on base all the time. If it wasn't for Dubon, Dubon's their leading hitter, and I think he's at 285. How many other lineups don't have a 300 hitter? And so I think a lot of it is their best players just aren't hitting the way they should be. They make some untimely errors that they weren't making in the past. The bullpen's been too inconsistent. All right, John, this is a good one. I got two I got two uh, kind of fun questions here, and then we'll close it out. Harold C. says, if the Texans could borrow one player from another Houston sports team for a season, who would it be and why? So you can borrow one Astro or one Rocket, or presumably, I get, I get. We'll, we'll leave U of H's football program out of this because I think this is more about finding a baseball or basketball player that you would, that you would borrow from uh, for the Texans. Who would it be, John? Well, first of all, you'd love to see a guy like Jalen Green at wide receiver, yeah. but he might start crying every time somebody's about to hit him. <laughs> and then I think Yardon Alvarez is a tight end. Because he's six five, they list him at two twenty five. There's no way he's close to two twenty five. He is. He is. He's got to be at least two fifty. He is built like a rock. And uh, I was thinking about any other tough guys on the Rockets. They need speed. Graham seems to be the fastest. And uh, and but I, I'd say either Jalen Green or Yardon Alvarez. Okay. I, the problem with Jordan Alvarez is I think if he got hit going over the middle, he might spontaneously combust. He, he, I mean, John, he gets hurt in a non-contact sport like baseball with soft tissue injuries all the time. What's going to happen? Well, that's true. But, you know, if you're talking about just an athlete, none of those guys can play football. Okay. Here's, so who, I th- go ahead. here's who I thought you were going to say. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, I thought you were going to say Jeremy Pena. Because you were the first one to report, John, at, at spring training this year, that Pena looked like an NFL safety. He does look like an NFL safety. He's built like one, but he hadn't done enough this season for me to have any interest in moving him over to Texas. <laughs> I love how you're taking how he's been doing in baseball and using it to answer this question. That they have to have actually done something this year to be a <laughs> mythical, imaginary football player, John. Sorry, he's not I hitting think, well enough as a baseball I think player. Jalen Green would be great lining up a wide receiver like Nico Collins because he's about the same size and then just tearing down the field. I, John, I'll tell you what, forget about tearing down the field and speed down the field. How about Ken, uh, K.J. Martin as a jump ball receiver type uh, with Tough. those hops that he's got? 
And he, he's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. He comes from tough stock. Kenyon Martin Sr. All right. Last one, John. And this is a question that both for you and me is going to harken back to days where there was a lot more of us to love. But uh, Andy G says, Amen Thompson made waves after he was drafted and said he wanted In-N-Out Burger brought in. That pissed off a lot of Houstonians. So for both of you, put together your perfect all-star fast food meal. Sandwich slash burger, fries, beverage slash shake, wild card item. Boy, Thompson doesn't know any better. Kids from California, I didn't know that against him. I think the fries at In-N-Out Burger are the most overrated thing I've ever eaten. The burgers are good. And I, I don't like the fries at Whataburger either. I love Whataburger. I like Five Guys' fries. Mm. They're hand-cut. They're thick. They're not those little thin ones that have been frozen and then stuck in the grease. Yeah. So I like – if I had to pick um, – cheeseburger i would take um boy i i i well i better say trill burger because of uh, <laughs> no, these are fast food Nick, john trill burger oh, fast burger yeah fast, fast food. food like a drive-through kind of place you know okay well i would take well you know to me five guys is fast food but you can't do a drive-through so i'll okay. say whataburger whataburger because i do love whataburger yep but i just don't like those thin fries like everybody loves mcdonald's fries and they're fine for about two minutes, then they get cold. Okay. I like McDonald's fries a lot. I like the Chick-fil-A waffle fries, too. Waffle fries, uh, it's nice texture. I like that. Yeah, I've just never been into waffle fries. Okay. And I just want the plain old French fries, especially if they're hand-cut fresh. There's a place in Waco called Cups. It's been there 75 years. Mm -hmm. I dive close to Baylor. And every morning, the family owns it gets up, goes about back, and peels those potatoes so you can get fresh French fries and cook them on the big grill. Mm, I got to sounds... quit talking about it. It's making me hungry. That sounds tasty. Yeah, John, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean for this to be a gateway for you to start uh, violating all the Oof. edicts of weight loss. Yeah. I like me a good Big Mac, John. I'm not going to lie. Like, just, uh, you know, full back up the middle. Old Big Mac from McDonald's. I like the McDonald's fries. In-N-Out's got great shakes. They've got really good milkshakes. Uh because I think they're, I don't think they're as, you know, chemically as some of the other milkshake play. You know, have you ever watched McDonald's dump the big bag of goop into the milkshake machine? It's, uh, it's a little disturbing. My favorite shakes are still Dairy Queen. Yeah, those are good and, too. Uh, and they, they, they're still great. They're thick. They don't make, they don't make them, you know, humongous where you're dying when you to finish them. And he said like a sandwich. Yeah, uh, I like Italian sandwiches, and and Jimmy John's does a really good one. There you go. There you go. Wild card item, I would go either apple pie from McDonald's or two tacos for ninety nine cents from Jack in the Box. There you go. There's some. Uh, my wild card item would be supreme tacos with extra onions from Taco Bell. Oh, the sour cream and the tomatoes on them, John. I like it. All right, now I'm officially hungry. Uh, John, what do you got going on on your various platforms? Got a C.J. Stroud uh, column I'm writing about him going into training camp and what they plan to do with him as he moves closer to being named the starter. That'll be on SportsRadio610.com. I've got one with a lot of negativity about the Astros on SportsRadio610.com. I wrote it Monday. It still stands up Wednesday because they stunk it up in St. Louis on Tuesday. And uh, – 
So that's what I'll have currently on this week. John, I say this as a fan of the Astros and as a friend of yours, I hope the Astro article is obsoleted by the time people read read it whenever this podcast drops. I hope it's obsoleted by the Astros in St. Louis and they win 13 to two. I agree hundred percent. Yep. All right. Um, so uh, that is it for this one. Uh, mailbag. We'll repeat again. H O U mailbag at gmail.com. If you want to send us a question as we get closer and closer to training camp, we'll be off. The mailbag will be off for a couple of weeks, um, but send those questions in and they evergreen nicely this time of year. Um, so H O U mailbag at gmail.com. Uh, big thanks to our producer, James Jackson, for getting the podcast out to each and every one of you. A reminder again, use that Odyssey app, wherever it is you get your podcast, whatever, wherever you get this podcast, click the subscribe button so you're getting it automatically. As the season gets closer, you're going to want to more and more um, make sure that you're, uh, you're part of this uh, Utopia train here that we've got going on. And uh, you can see us on YouTube, on Sports Radio 610's YouTube channel. And we're dropping videos all the time at our Twitter accounts as well that you can see uh, right here for me at Sean T. Pendergast and over there for John at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. So for John McLean and James Jackson, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you next week for previews of the offense and the defense for the Texans on the pod. Thanks for listening.